Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Being conditioned to believe that a good person is a person with quote-unquote family values, which means being loyal even to the point of death to your family. And, um, and so I didn't, I didn't think that I was going to live a long life. And so to be told that I could live a long life, I just couldn't have my family in my life, was like this option that was presented to me that I had never even really considered. Um, and... I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna take that option that I had not considered before. I think that it is gonna be worthwhile for me to leave this because I presented the information. I said, I'm going to therapy. I'm working on healing. Come with me to therapy, please. Like, I want to do this healing work together. Like, I love you. Like, I love you, even though that you literally tried to kill me. You know, I love you even because, like, even though that you really seriously injured me. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Truth That Heals podcast. I am your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez, and for today's episode, you will be listening to an interview which I have given to Kip Morgan from the Liberated Porch podcast. Now, before we begin, I want to be open that one of the best things that podcasting has done to me is it's opened my mind, it's opened my heart to people who have suffered things that I haven't been through and to be more compassionate and to be more understanding. And I think one of the reasons why I even started this podcast was because I saw firsthand how being silenced, how being dismissed, how being rejected, it can be very painful. And so doing this podcast, inviting people from different ways of life which I have never been through has really opened my mind has opened my heart and the guest for today Kit Morgan has as you'll see speaks so openly about their experiences and about their personal healing journey and if you haven't checked out their podcast the liberated the liberated porch podcast I strongly suggest, I strongly recommend, go check it out and give it a listen. So without further ado, uh, here is the interview which I have given to Kit Morgan.
Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Truth That Heals podcast. I am your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez, and today I'm with a very special guest, Kit Morgan. Kit, how are you doing today? Oh, I am doing so good today. We had this beautiful snowfall where I live, and just people around here, we're, we're just like so excited about having snowfall, so it's kind of feels like waking up on Christmas morning. <laughs> and I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, you have a podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about the name, first the name of the podcast and a little bit about it? Yes, of course. So my podcast is called The Liberated Porch Podcast. And so with this podcast and, and why I call it The Liberated Porch is I grew up in the Midwest and then I've also lived in Appalachia as well as right now I live in the Northeast and that's where I continue to plan on living long-term. And so in all these places where there have been so many differences with it, the things that they have in common is actually a porch. And the porch is this place where you can meet other people, you can gather, you can have these conversations that are laid back, down to earth, you could shoot the shit, you can talk about anything on the porch, or maybe you're just sitting on the porch by yourself and you're observing things, you're taking things in. And so I have learned so much from sitting on a porch and, you know, and just sitting back in a rocking chair or sitting back in a lawn chair. And those are just some of my, my favorite times and experiences. And I think that, so I'm a licensed social worker and therapist. And I think that in a lot of ways, mental health is very inaccessible, even the way that it's talked about, it's very uptight. And I don't like that. That's not the reason why I got into this field in the first place, you know? Um, I want to see therapy and mental health be moving more towards like having a conversation on a porch. That That's what I would really like to see. You know, um, I would like to see, you know, challenging oppressive systems by people talking to their neighbors, by having these face-to-face -face conversations, by just sitting down and observing things and slowing down. And so with this and this podcast, then I sit down with people and I talk with them about their different stories of finding liberation through social justice and mental health in a way like we're just a couple of buds just sitting on a porch. Yeah. And so um, my vision is to be expanding this concept so that then whenever people sit on their porches, that they feel inspired by this. And um, I just ended up launching my first course and it is about lifting the winter blues. And so this is within a similar line too of just my approach of talking about the topic. So I really like how you, you're you merging mental health and then having therapy in a, you know, in an open porch, free to talk, free to discuss and, how long have you had this freedom to to speak with with others was that something that you were you were raised with that ability to speak freely or is this something that you found later in life that freedom to speak how you want oh yeah absolutely not i did not have the freedom oh, no. to talk whenever i was 
little, I was very outspoken. And whenever I would be outspoken in my home, uh, starting around the age of four to five years old, um, my mom would put me outside of my house and would lock the door. And she would tell me to walk a certain route in our neighborhood. And that route in the neighborhood um, had multiple convicted pedophiles. And she knew that. And she told me that. And she told me that to scare me. And, um, and so, you know, so there were these different scare tactics that were used since I was a childhood to silence me. And so, um, in this experience of finding liberation through mental health and social justice, part of this is, well, has been me returning back to what I was like as a kid, uh, rather than what happened all in between of being conditioned to be silenced. Um, I'm a non-binary person, but I was raised female. And so because of that, and I grew up in a very Baptist family. I was third generation Baptist, fundamentalist Baptist, and then Southern Baptist. And I, I mean, even the Southern Baptist convention, it, uh, condemns female leadership and females speaking publicly. And so because of that, there was this very systemic silencing of those that were assigned female at birth. And, and that that's what I experienced. So I experienced that in pretty much every environment of my life, except the porch. So you were raised with, I mean, it sounds like you already had this, you were born with this talent to speak to, I, I think all of us are born with the talent to speak and to think freely, but you already mentioned how you were very outspoken. Now, I know many parents who, when they see that their child has a gift or has a, a special ability, a, a hobby that they really like, they are encouraged and the family tries to cultivate that hobby or whatever that gift is was that the case with you uh well it sounds like it's actually the opposite where they were trying to diminish that gift that you had but then years later you were able to kind of find that inner child that gift that you that you were born with I, i'm now curious after being controlled so long and being put down by your loved ones by your family uh what was your journey to rediscovering your truth, your true identity, your authenticity? Part of this was actually whenever I had started grad school, that was a very pivotal time for me. And disclaimer, there are people that get into the therapy field because they want to figure themselves out. Um, and I know that in me sharing this, that that may be how that comes across, but that wasn't my intention. Uh, the, the reason why I got into this field was because I was very fascinated by philosophy. I was very fascinated by art and by just having conversations with, with people. And I loved stories. Like I would ask my grandma to tell me stories until her voice got hoarse. And whenever I found out that you could have a job where you just listen to stories every day. I was like, that sounds phenomenal. 
I would love to do that. Um, so it wasn't about me figuring myself out because I started um, my own therapy process whenever I had become an adult at 18. So whenever I went to grad school, however, there was so much training that ended up really starting to deconstruct some different harmful ideologies, oppressive belief systems, and hearing about this and in reading some of these books, such as Better Not Well, such as The New Jim Crow, and hearing about different policies, different legislation, about oppressing the LGBTQ community, then it was like <laughs> a biblical reference here is it was like the scales fell off of my eyes. And that was whenever I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And that was so helpful for me. It was just waking me up. And at that point, I was like, I actually need to get myself a new therapist because I don't think I'm actually seeing a good therapist right now. And so I um, found another therapist. I sat down with her. I really did not have high expectations because of my past experience. And this person did not appeared to be what I thought the therapist looked like, which is funny because now that comes back around and whenever clients see me as a therapist, <laughs> I am not what they expect to be seen as a therapist. And uh, she sat across from me in a cross-legged position and told me, hey, tell, tell me about yourself. And it was so informal that I just started saying all these things that I had never shared with someone before. And then she just empowered me. We were able to keep having these kinds of what I perceived to be informal conversations, but it was very therapeutic. And that's what really started to be bringing me back towards the person I had always been, but that had been hidden from all of these different layers of conditioning. Now, you mentioned two things which which really caught my attention. Uh, the first one was uh, your intentions, and the second one was uh, deconstruction. Now, when it comes to the intentions, um, you, you brought up how some people, they study therapy to fix themselves. But already we see in you kind of this uh, genuine care to help others and and I, I bring that up because, you know, you've mentioned being non-binary and there are some people, uh, religious people, uh, people who, you know, go to church and they have that pious lifestyle. But once they see non-binary or once they see LGBTQ plus, it's like, oh, that per it's like, and I'm saying this from first person accounts from kind of having mm -hmm. that, that way of thinking. It's like, Oh, it's easy to look at you and to think, oh, that person is a bad person. That person mm -hmm. has bad intentions. And it took a while for me to deconstruct myself from thinking about everyone else like that. But uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to understand how, how did therapy help you to deconstruct all of that uh, toxic 
looking at yourself in a toxic way because it, it was easy for me to look at others toxically. And of course, I did my therapy to kind of heal that. But when you're looking at yourself in a toxic way, uh, what was your journey healing from that negativity? So I want to go back to this and okay. this belief system that has been um, prevalent, not, not just in religion, but in other parts of society of seeing people that are not cisgender as predators. And with part of this, it is displacing, looking at uh, how patriarchy and how misogyny is predatory. And so there can be this recognition that there can be patriarchy, there can be misogyny that is predatory. And rather than looking at that and seeing, okay, how, how can we change this? How can we make amends? Instead, it's displacing these frustrations that are caused by patriarchy and misogyny upon people that are transgender, that are genderqueer, that are non-binary. And I think that whenever people learn more about what gender actually is, that then they'll start seeing, oh, you know what, actually that's, that's something that I identify with because gender is different than sex. So sex is anatomy and gender is expression. And so with gender, what happens with this is like, you know, gender is talked about a lot in, um, in religion itself. And I, I think something that that's super fascinating is in um, Anglicanism, they're starting to say, maybe God is non-binary because of the nurturing feminine part that is talked about of, um, of the divine caring for what is said, his children and looking at how, you know, this uh, maternal type instincts here, but then also this part of bringing justice and discipline of looking at this and, and kind of from a, a masculine type uh, perspective. And so there's these different ways of looking at gender in a way where rather than it being something to be afraid of, then it can be something where we can start to understand maybe what some of our drives are, or some of what our desires are. Maybe it's to nurture, maybe it's to protect, maybe it's to, you know, display ways of strength and different kinds of aspects, different kinds of expressions. And that's beautiful too. Yes, um, there is something very beautiful in, in each person. And I think it's it's important to have podcasts like yours, The Liberated Porch, where we can it's not just you know looking at the person because it's i think you mentioned in one of your podcasts you know judging a book by its cover or or just now with your therapist that that you she didn't look like a therapist to you but then when you were able to sit down the sessions were just amazing and so when i hear podcasts like yours especially your podcast i like it because i'm hearing uh, I'm I'm gaining uh, educate. It's educational. It's also healing because, you know that that side of me that was um, kind of 
like bigoted and you know looking down judgmental that also needs healing and i'm very i'm very open about it and so hearing a person speak and as i hear you and your guest it's helping me to understand okay you're all people you're all beautiful people we are all beautiful people everyone has gifts and it's so uh i i guess liberating <laughs> liberated porch it is liberating <laughs> to to hear people you know speak and it's not just what you say but it's how you say it because uh as a listener i i can grow my understanding that your intentions aren't to harm people or like the label is oh they're all predators or everyone in lgbtq is not loved by god or god doesn't love them but then you see that you have these gifts and you have this knowledge and wisdom and you're trying to help people that's hella liberating and and how does it feel to know that you have a podcast that can help bridge uh people from one ideology of like strict and hateful thinking into a more uh, open-minded, open-hearted way of living. You know, part of this, I just keep taking things day by day. Um, I used to work in addictions treatment and there was this really beautiful phrase that goes just for today. And I I love that phrase, you know, if, if we just live our life by setting an attention just for today, how much change we can have in our lives and also bring change to the lives of others. And uh, circling back around to, uh, to this previous question here, what I learned from grad school was that it doesn't matter what kind of norms, but if we're just talking about norms in general, a lot of times norms are there because they are set by people in power to oppress people because they don't trust them and they're afraid of losing their power. And so with part of this, like, and in going back to gender, gender is just like, and being non-binary, it's saying, I'm just not gonna adhere to gender norms. And there's a lot of people that are cisgender that say, I'm not gonna adhere to gender norms, you know? Mm-hmm. And so part of this of saying like, I'm gonna live in a way that's guided by my intuition and I'm gonna trust my intuition. And if there's a time where I realize that I fuck up, that I mess up and I'm going to take ownership for that. And I'm going to have accountability and responsibility for that. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to make amends, you know? Um, and so I think with part of this, like no one wants to be stereotyped. No one really wants to be put in a box because boxes are suffocating, you know? And so there can be so many different kinds of boxes that people experience in their lives. And, what I'm trying to put out there is I'm not a gay evangelist. I'm not a transgender evangelist. I'm not telling people that everyone is queer. I'm not telling people that everyone is not cisgender. I'm not saying that because if a person tells me they are straight, then I will believe them. If a person tells me they're cisgender, I believe them because this is part of this. Like this is part of I'm going to trust people that what they say is true. And that's just what, you know, I'm hoping that our world, our society can become that we can have open communication and we may not necessarily agree with everything that's within that open communication, but we can say, 
you know, I hear you and whatever you tell me about who you are, I'm going to trust you that what you say is true. I think that's very beautiful. And I, I really enjoyed uh, hearing that, that phrase, I hear you because so many people uh, don't get heard or like there's like uh, they're like thought blockers. Once you see somebody who looks different, you know, you already stop. You don't even go there. You don't even approach them. You don't see them as a person. And just to, to have you say, I hear you that I think shows uh, that shows love. That shows that you are willing to listen and take your time and, Hey, I don't have to agree to everything that you say. You don't have to agree agree to everything that I say. But to know that you're being heard, I think that's very therapeutic. And um, uh, not, seeing your journey, your transition, and all that you've been through, being brought up in a very uh, controlling environment, uh, when you started to break free, I mean, you mentioned grad school, but how was it? Uh, in your family life was that a was it a family journey where they walked with you or was it a kit morgan on your own type of journey many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It was, I had uh just put to the side a lot of memories and and then going through therapy then uh i was getting asked these questions where i was like oh <laughs> now i have to think about that and i'm was like you know what i <laughs> again like searching for truth searching for reality but something that i learned in therapy too is there can be multiple truths because people can have uh, different perspectives and, and that, that was something very freeing for me, but I ended up going to people um, who I had remembered had hurt me before in the past. And I would say, I just remembered that this thing had happened. Is this true? Did you do this to me? And they would say, yeah, I did. And I was like, what? Um, and that was validating in a painful type way. And I kept having these, um, as they call it in religion, come to Jesus moments. 
I had so many of these moments of like these awakenings that I started getting told by family members, you need to shut up because you are making people extremely uncomfortable and you just need to be quiet. And I told them, I was like, I am done with being quiet. So their response was, um, my mom tried to kill me multiple times. She tried to kill me by strangling me. Um, I have a, I'm definitely allergic to soy. Um, she uh, ended up contaminating um, things with soy uh, to try to kill me. Um, and so that was the response. Um, rather than, yes, they did say what they said was true, but they didn't apologize, you know, and this is what I was met with. I was met with violence instead. And, um, and yet I continued to be in this system because I was like, there's generational trauma in my family. There is mental illness where people are not following through with the treatment. And so I just need to stick this out because I need to love them because these are my family. And I saw that staying was loving them. I saw that being loyal to the point of it being life-threatening was loving them when that wasn't loving me. And it got to this point where um, I was, uh, had ended up getting a TBI, traumatic brain injury, and um, ended up going to the hospital to, um, to be getting treated. And uh, my mom physically assaulted me in the hospital. And that was this moment for me where I just had multiple doctors look me in the eye and say, we saw that all on tape. And they said, if you want to live a long life, you can't have your family in your life. And so that was an extremely difficult decision, especially whenever being conditioned to believe that a good person is a person with quote unquote family values, which means being loyal even to the point of death to your family. And, um, and so I didn't, I didn't think that I was gonna live a long life. And so to be told that I could live a long life I just couldn't have my family in my life was like this option that was presented to me that I had never even really considered. Um, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to take that option that I had not considered before. I think that it is going to be worthwhile for me to leave this because I presented the information. I said, I'm going to therapy. I'm working on healing come with me to therapy, please. Like, I want to do this healing work together. Like, I love you. Like, I love you, even though that you literally tried to kill me. You know, I love you even because, like, even though that you really seriously injured me. Um, but that's not what happened. And so there got to be a point in time where, you know, 
and trying to do this for literally years, you know, I got to this point where I was like, it's time to walk away. And when you did walk away, how liberating was that? Was it, or was it the opposite? Was it painful? Walk us through that, that experience. You know, I ended up walking away two times. Um, the first time was uh, literally the, the morning I had graduated um, from grad school. And I had told people, um, this is my little cat. She's just saying hello. She's a oh, little baby. Uh, the, the first time I left was right after I had graduated from grad school. And um, if people thought that it was actually a joke that I was moving from the Midwest to New York. Um, and so no one saw me off. So I um, just packed up my little 2000 Honda Accord with my cooking stuff, books, clothes, and that's all I had. And, uh, and my parents' dog was the only thing to, to see me off. So that was one part um, of leaving. And, and that wasn't something that was easy. I um, ended up having a family member who I thought that we could work things through. Um, once I moved to New York, they stole an extraordinary amount of money from me. So that ended up ending our relationship. Um, you know, I, I had a, a conversation with my parents and I was ending the relationship there and subsequently all extended relationships. Um, and, uh, and, and people were very surprised. I, um, would get letters, um, just saying like, uh, come back, come back. And they would have different tones to them. Um, tones that seemed like it was begging, tones that seemed upset, um, and I didn't answer them um, until uh, a little bit later. And then my, um, like, my mom had ended up getting cancer, um, and I decided I was like, I think that it would be. The, the moral and ethical thing to do to return back to my family. So I was going back and forth between the Midwest and New York, um, which was a lot mm -hmm. to be doing. And um, yeah, my family didn't change. They didn't change for the better. And so I did that for about a year or so. And then I decided to leave and I said, this is the last time because I really tried, you know, and, um, you know, and, and having someone who is a matriarch of a family to have cancer and you would think that that would really change things. And for something as significant as that to not change a family and for the, the violent behavior to only increase, um, was something that was very telling. Um, and so, um, you know, so I, I left 
and uh, and I would continue to get letters. Um, and so I decided to move and not forward any of my mail. And then that was great. But, you know, um, it, it took time, it took time because whenever you come from an abusive background, um, what can sometimes happen is if you are someone who will keep speaking the truth, a truth teller is someone that violent people, abusive people are very afraid of. And so they will try to do anything to silence a truth speaker. And so I realized, you know, the, the best thing I could ever do for myself is to keep on speaking the truth and keep on living in my truth. Well, thank you for sharing. I know it's, it's gotta be very difficult. Uh, well, difficult in a emotional sense, because I know uh, when there's abuse, people always say, Oh, the easiest option. I mean, like the most obvious is you got to leave, but you know, you got to take into account the emotional involvement and plus it's, it's family. Um, but what I'm hearing is that there are two different types of love. I mean, you've, spoken about you know your your family your parents um saying we love you you know come back and not changing and then we hear your side okay non-binary okay fine but besides that you know you're saying i love you i'm going mm -hmm. to therapy i'm getting an education i'm trying to live life to the full and I'm trying to do good things in life. So I think that this is something where Christians and I'm, I still am a Christian, but I think that we can't, we can uh, do better where it's not just, Oh yeah, uh, I love you. And then not do anything here. You're really putting in the action, the lifestyle of living life to the full. And you had to make the decision if I'm going to stay in this relationship, in this environment, or if, am I going to take care of myself? And that is a courageous thing that you did. I'm sure that many in the audience might be also struggling with uh, severing toxic relationships. But after you, you went your own way, can you walk us through how did life change? Was it a dark period or did things start looking a little brighter? My life has been incredibly better from the first time whenever I had that separation to now of having the permanent separation. And I want to go back to that topic of forgiveness. I, I think that forgiveness is something that is very complex. I think that sometimes in high control groups that forgiveness is looked at something as the person who has been wronged needs to do the forgiving and that the person who has done the wrong does not always have to accept accountability and responsibility. And so I, I think that this is like a very important distinction. So I guess like whenever I look at practicing forgiveness, I look at part of this of practicing self forgiveness for what happened of not beating myself up 
for staying in my family as long as what I did, for not beating myself up, for going back to my family. Because so often what happens to people that have been abused before is once they leave the abuser or they're prepared to leave the abuser, then they are self-abusing. And I was like, no, like I am going to give myself grace and I'm going to forgive myself. And, um, and so, you know, I, I think that sometimes like in, in looking at forgiveness from different aspects, different perspectives, that then that can be incorporated into just the way that we live our lives and have that spiritual health and, and wellness while going through this, this kind of process, you know, and, um, in me deciding to be estranged from my family, um, and having my life be significantly better, there are still times where there will be waves of grief. And the waves of grief come far and fewer in between the longer that I have left, but they'll still happen. You know, sometimes if I'm out at this amazing bakery, I'll be like, I wish my dad was eating this croissant with me right now. He would have loved this. Or if I like see some beautiful wildlife, I'll be like, wow, my mom would have really enjoyed this or a beautiful garden. She would have loved this or some great music. My sister, oh, I wish she could be here with me right now. And so whenever I have these thoughts come up for a long time, I didn't know how to deal with them. And instead of what I do now is I offer these family members a benediction. And I think about them and I meditate on them and I wish them well. And I tell them, um, not physically, but I speak to my higher power that I wish these family members well whenever they come to my mind because I still love them. You know, um, the opposite of love is indifference. And what I tell people is no matter how long I'm not going to have contact with my family, I will never be indifferent to my family because my family is my family and I will never ever have someone or some people that replace my blood family because at the end of the day, they're the people where I share the same eyes with, where whenever you see us in a life, you know, that's my blood relatives, you know? And no one is going to replace that, you know? Um, and no one is all good. No one is all bad. And that's why people stay in abusive situations for so long. And, um, and so in separation, I remember why I decided to separate, which can be a painful reality to acknowledge. But on the other hand, I do not let that be the sole focus of whenever I remember my family. Instead, I also remember and acknowledge the good things that I saw from them and that I would like to continue to be carrying on in my life today and to learn from their mistakes. Well, thank you, Kit. That's been a, a beautiful message that you've uh, brought to this podcast. And um, you know, we've we've heard your story of your upbringing, your conflicts, your challenges, your 
your battle to really maintain your personal authenticity, being genuine and still being loving, not allowing hatred or, uh, you know, putting, you know, just still holding on to love despite all that darkness around you. Uh, we've heard that side of the story. Um, now I, I would like to ask, how was the journey? Uh, what was the the genesis? Not to, not to be biblical, but what was the genesis of okay. the liberated porch? The genesis of it, you know, um, I whenever I, um, I guess I'm talking about grad school a lot today, <laughs> but um, whenever I was in grad school, I, I had some phenomenal mentors, and I had um, some mentors say, "Don't have a social media presence. Wipe away your social media presence. You know, um, if you're working with people who have." criminal history backgrounds, you shouldn't be having a social media presence. So I took that and I, before that, I had a large social media presence and I ended up wiping it away um, so that if anyone would do a Google search on me, no one would be able to find anything. Um, and um and I started working with people on parole and, and probation, and that's not something that I do anymore, but I did that for years. And I ended up getting to this point where I was like, wow, I am getting asked to sacrifice a lot for my job, and I don't think that that's well balanced. And I'm a person who is creative, and I really need to put that creative energy out somewhere and into something that I believe in. And I believe in liberation. And I believe in mental health that is accessible. And um, and so then I ended up starting a TikTok and Instagram. And um, and so at first it was branded as the ex-evangelical therapist. And then I was like, you know, this is kind of silly because I was like, you know, I, I actually will see people that are practicing evangelicals for therapy and we have amazing therapeutic relationships. And I was like, and me calling myself an ex-evangelical therapist, um, that in a way, is me proselytizing and I do not want to proselytize. I am done with proselytizing. So then I was like, okay, well then I'm going to shift it to deconstructing healing. Um, so that then we can look at multiple different topics and, um, be looking at the parts that end up to the sum because that's what deconstruction means of looking at these parts that are contributing to the overarch of, of what's happening. But then in putting this out there, then whenever people read it, their mind goes to destruction rather than deconstruction. And a lot of people are not aware of the philosophy of deconstruction. And so then I'm like, well, then this goes counter to my values of things being accessible 
of having things in a language that is a common language. So I decided to scratch that. <laughs> and I went with the Liberated Porch. And so there's been all of these different um, changes and, and name changes. And um, I think that because of social media, there's been such a pressure to curate that then people themselves are becoming very curated type people rather than just being like, actually just being part of human is changing. <laughs> and so, you know, so it's like, so this presence has changed a lot, but it's changed a lot as, you know, it's like, okay, this is a rough draft. This is another draft and this is another draft. And that's just what life is it's continuing to write drafts and write drafts and there'll never be a final and that's okay thank you you mentioned earlier you have a course of uh, can you maybe give the audience some more information about that sure so my website is theliberatedporch.com and so on this you can find my podcast you can find my instagram all of the links are there you can also see the link to the course. And so uh, this course is a six lesson course and it breaks things down about what the differences and similarities are between seasonal affective disorder and the winter blues. And I also talk about some different coping skills that I'll use with my clients that I'm bringing into this course. And then talking about how there are these different facets that can happen um, during this time of the year, such as the uniqueness of holiday grief, how to be processing through holiday grief, why losses can be more frequent during this time of the year. Um, also talk about loneliness and the cuffing season and how this can lead to more impulsivity and then just recycling this, this whole um, loneliness and guilt and shame cycle. And then uh, also talk about some Northern traditions in there and learning from those and, um, and then wrapping that up uh, within this time. And so it takes uh, folks around something like two hours to complete the course and, um, and I'm selling it online for $35. Well, you hear that audience, uh, go check out deliberatedporch.com and uh, check out Kit Morgan's links. And uh, I listen to your podcast. Um, but I, I I see that like towards the end of each episode, you ask a question. Uh, what is the question that you ask like each guest? Something like, uh, what's your liberate? What's your, what is it? I can't remember. It's, you ask like a specific oh. question. I asked my guests, if you could offer your younger self one piece of advice about liberation, what would that be? So now I'm going to ask you, if you could speak to your younger self and offer advice, what would it be? Don't let them silence you. I love it. And I would just leave it at that. And I would let my younger self take with those words, whatever those words may be for them at that time um, because if I said any more words than that then that in a way could be silencing